You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Claret and Blues. Yeah, I know, man. Have a listen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New Year edition of the Mariners podcast. My name's Chris May. Alongside me uh, this morning, I have the usual three degrees. We've got Simon May, Ronnie Pete, and <laughs> Terry Wilkinson. Welcome, gentlemen, but also a very, very warm welcome to um, one of the names of, of Northeast football. It gives us great pleasure to welcome uh, the voice of the, the Northeast football podcast, Mark Carruthers. Welcome, Mark. I'm not even sure I'm a name in my own house. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. No problem. It's good to have you with us. Well, what a spell we've had since we last got round the table. We've got Shields where they want to be. Uh, since our last meeting in December, we've played eight league games. Seven wins, no defeats, 24 goals for and seven against. Three clean sheets, Shields are top of the league. We're going to go into that very, very shortly. But with us having Mark here today, um, I think it's quite pertinent that we utilise a little bit of his knowledge. First of all, Mark, congratulations on the book. Thanks. It's the second one in a row where we've had somebody who's <laughs> got a book out, so it's not an advert. I know. Um, like Ross, we're scouting the streets <laughs> for authors now. <laughs> but this is a book with a difference. This is um, not just about South Shields Football Club, although South Shields feature predominantly in it because, of course, they have won the Vars in recent years. Mark, can you tell us a little bit about the book, the background, why you've, why you've done it, and, um, and what, you've, what feedback you've had so far? Well, like all great ideas, it started in a pub. Um, so <clears throat> I was. Um, it was just after I'd interviewed um, a couple of guys who who played for Newcastle Blue Star when they won the Vars in '78, and obviously 40th anniversary of their their first win last year. Uh, so I interviewed Ian, Ian Crumplin, uh, and I was sat on the Sunday. It was published in the Sunday Sun, um, and I was sat with a mate in the pub uh, at a game the following week. Actually, uh, and he said, "I read your piece. Surely there's a book in it." So I laughed it off at first, and then I sat there as pints went further and further down and thought you know what actually he's right there is um, mm. and it was a case of how do you go about it because uh, there are great stories in every single Vos winning team and it was just a case of identifying the, the, the really good ones mm-hmm. so um, and I was also wary of, of Ross's book which is, is excellent by the way the fact that he, he's, he, he went down the route of the, the four people that kept this club going in, in Peter Lee and that was kind of the, the, the crux of the book and kind of how it's built from there to where it is today and I didn't want to replicate what Ross had done um, so the next story uh, down the line is, is Julio uh, which is the, the last well, second from last chapter in the book uh, it's all about Julio's journey from Argentina to, to Sunderland to Middlesbrough to the Willow Pond uh, <laughs> to Wembley not to, if I'm honest there's not as much focus on Sunderland Middlesbrough it is kind of the, the Sunday League stuff and you know getting to Wembley and lifting the Vars with South Shields but mm-hmm. the, the stories of all kind of natures in there there are some funny ones um, there's some poignant ones Mark Taylor obviously at Willie Bay who, yes. who won, uh, won it in 2009 and within months was diagnosed with motor neuron disease has gone on to be an absolute inspiration there's Chris Swales who uh, retired due to heart problems and having a heart operation was signed by Morbeth as their fourth choice uh, or fifth choice centre back but slowly throughout the season, people got injured, people got injured, uh, suspended, and he ended up becoming the, the oldest ever cup final goal scorer at Wembley. So, as I say, there's stories of, of all kinds in there. I would just like to say that any any profits from the book are going to two charities, uh, the Motor Neuron Disease Association um, 
and uh, the If You Care Share Foundation, yes. uh, which is the uh, suicide prevention charity where yes. I'm an ambassador. But it's been an absolute pleasure putting it together. I've had a lot of support from uh, people around the non-league scene and uh, looking forward to it coming out. So, so are we. Um, when are the dates that you're going to have? It's in digital and yes. then a print run. So at the moment it, it, it's uh, available for pre-order on uh, digital. The digital version is uh, via Amazon. Uh, it's priced at £7, mm-hmm. which is slightly higher than um, a lot of uh, digital books are, but that's because for charity, I'm hoping people yes. might, might see past that. Um, the print version, uh, there will be a print run starting fairly soon. I just need to finalise a couple of things. Um, that's going to be priced at eleven ninety nine, and I'm thinking that'll probably be out early March. Excellent. And the book's name is? It's Northern Goal. Excellent. We'll look forward to that. So, Mark, um, again, we thought it would be pertinent with you being in our company to, to talk a little bit about a new name, a new face at Mariners Park. Um, Lee and Graham took the decision to bring in Brian Smith, no stranger to Northeast non-league football, yes. but a stranger probably to a lot of South Shield supporters. So, um, in, you know, using your experience, your knowledge of the guy, what will, other than the obvious things, what will he bring to Mariners Park? I think one of the things you've got to look at is that Graham and Lee uh, will only work with people they trust. Um, if you look at people they brought in the club, it's always who they, you know, even the players, it's people who they, they trust, and they've got that with Brian. He's He's a great character. He knows the league, leagues inside out. He knows the non-league scene, the northeast inside out. He's a good coach. He's, he's a strong character. He's a strong personality. He's not scared to have a say. And I think Lee and Grimm encourage that. Yes. They like people to have a say. They, they don't want anyone just being yes men. And Brian won't be that. Mm-hmm. Um, he has very recent, recently been a manager in the northern league, so he knows what the the front rolls about. He obviously had some great times alongside uh, Graham at North Shields, and you know when the Vars, when the Northern Run Senior Cup got promoted into the top tier of the Northern League. So he's been successful alongside Graham. Uh, he's played alongside Lee. So it's an easy one for an easy decision. I think when Graham came across here, there was always a suspicion that uh, Brian may follow him, and I think it's probably taken a little bit longer than expected for that to happen. <laughs> But I've got no doubt that he'll add to this management team and he'll strengthen the uh, leadership group that, that the club has. Mm. Excellent. Because we've been a year without an assistant manager. Yes. Um, when I spoke to Lee and Graham, not the last time, but the time before that, and I asked them what their work-life balance was, and it was it was nil. Mm. Lee did say that Graham can actually switch off. He's got that power to be able to switch off, which is essential, really. Yes. Lee can't. You know, someday it's going over and over in his mind. So I think it's a, a great, I mean, obviously they know him very well. It's a great move. I think you can see that with Lee, that he, he, he just doesn't switch off. No, he's intense. I've yeah. spent a lot of time with him, and, and I know there's always something that uh, will kind of work away at the back of mm. his mind about a game, about a moment in the game, about a decision, anything. But it's that intensity that has driven the club oh, forward. Yeah. And Absolutely. that has got, you know, got the club from where they were to, to where, where they are now. <clears throat> So do we know what kind of uh, role he'll be doing? What type of things he'll be taking off? Well, they said to me that basically he's another pair of ears, another pair of eyes, so he can listen to the dressing room. And I mean, I think Lee and Green do that very well already. But the other pair of eyes is the important thing because he can go scouting, he can go watching other teams because, you know, sending uh, Philip Ray down there, you know, with all due respect is not as good as sending somebody who's been in the game, who's played mm. and who's, uh, you know, succeeded to a certain extent as a manager. So I think it's just to ease the burden, basically. 
Mm. Get to know the guys in the dressing room. And, Even uh, on a match day, I think, you know, pre-match and stuff, where, you know, Martin Scott used to have a, a quite a, a, a big role to play mm. um, when he was here, and he has never been replaced until now, so I think... Even just you know, pretty much do the warm ups and things like that. I know Liam Graham still come out, but yeah. I think it's just yeah, it just takes that yeah. pressure off, doesn't it? Be interesting to see how it goes. Was Brian in the dugout? Yeah, last week before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he wasn't at Basefield, but he was scouting presumably yeah. Farsley. But he was certainly here last week and yeah. and uh, and yesterday. So eyes and ears, mm. clearly. Plus also the contacts. I think we are out on a limb, northeast. In terms of non-league football, yeah. and having another link within the northeast can only help matters. I did accuse them of setting up the dark side mafia here, which they took in good part. But it's strange, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but of course, we find ourselves the day after, the afternoon before. We've just beaten Whitby five-two, a game in which uh, Shields kind of dominated without really ever getting out of third gear, I think it's fair to say, apart from the spell of 20 minutes in the first half, Ronnie, where after, Graham said in his post-match interview, we played some scintillating stuff, we wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, well, I nearly <coughs> didn't go because Google said it was postponed, right? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah, it was, a, it was a treat to watch. Again, another treat for our eyes, which is, we, we've had a lot in the last in the last month. And it, I think the added spice of, Farsley and Warrington being so close to us, mm. it just it, it makes these games exciting to watch, mm. and and you can see the the players have got that extra level of performance because they're being pushed, yeah. which is not what we what we used to in, mm. in Shields because we've kind of at this point in time we've, we've nearly won the lead by now, and then the games go right up to the end because goal difference is at play as well. We were we were talking we, was, yeah. we need more goals. We need another that fifth yeah. goal could be key. Yeah, sure. because it, it just got us a goal ahead of Farsley. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that spelling in the first half, I personally thought that Gillies and and, and Foley, their movement, yeah, was outstanding, was sensational. Yeah, I mean, Foley's on fire. Yeah, he's he's on fire. That that goal that he scored there was was a, a goal of someone who's flying. Yeah, hit, hit it with his left foot early, clean strike straight in the back of the net. And then <clears throat> he was a thorn in their side. I thought they had a quite decent defence up until the yeah. sending off. Yeah. Quite a robust team. But it's not just Foley and Gillies that are on form. There's there's a few of them that yeah. are really hitting their stride. Adams, Mason, Morse. The when you get players like that on top of their game, it's just fantastic to watch. The key incident of the game was the penalty incident, the foul on Foley. We had a pretty good view of it. Yep. Definite penalty. Definite red card. The right decisions were made, as far as I'm concerned. But it changed the game because Shields took the foot off the gas, and where we'd had real precision in the passing, real penetration, kind of just took the foot off yeah. a little bit. And we needed we needed Whitby in a way to score again to get us back up to the levels. We relaxed a bit, didn't we? Yeah, we did. But we did enough, and we did the right thing, winning five-two, following on from the win over Farsley which potentially could be the, the result of the season because that it was almost a winner-takes-all clash. I think, obviously I was here for that game, um, there wasn't much between the two sides, no. um, if, if anything. Um, it was always going to be a one-goal game, I think. Mm. But what I liked about, about South Shield's performance was just dug in. And, and I know over the last few years there's been this... Um, 
they quite rarely got a reputation as a, a team that liked to play attractive football to keep it on the ground to pass it round um, or pass sideways as certain managers have said hmm. um, <laughs> they were probably starting to cling on to the job but uh, quite um, <laughs> just a minute just who's oh, gone um, but it showed a bit of a different side they did dig in they did do some of the dirty stuff that you have to do to win league titles and, and to get promoted and this league was never going to be a stroll it's a no. tough league and, and what I'd say it's a, it's a total cliche and I apologise but it is a marathon. It's not a sprint in this mm. league. You look early in the season. I think there's this this general consensus in football to go for the negatives, where the away form was horrendous. There's no getting away from that, and everyone focused on that, but ignored the fact at home mm. it's been perfect. It's yeah. been well near perfect. I'm sure Graham and, and Lee will say. But the the Farsley game was a was a lovely sign of how this squad is developing. It's not just about the pretty stuff. They can dig in. They kept going until the last minute, and I thought. The longer that game went on, the more likely it was going to be that, that South Shields was going to win it. It was a scrappy goal. It was, it was a neat finish, but it was a scrappy goal in terms of the way it came out in the six-yard box. But the build-up was just yeah. outstanding. Briggsy's little flick. And I think to keep that composure in the last minute of a high-pressure game tells you everything about people like Briggs and Mason. Yeah, um, Baxter. It, it, and Baxter, yeah. yeah it, was, it was a brilliant goal in the build-up, but it's such a big win because Farsley, I think I said at the start of the season, they'll be there or thereabouts. Admittedly, the other tip Gainsborough are miles away, but um, <laughs> yeah, for now, yeah, um, I think they've got Farsley come very shortly. Yeah, if, if, one more point, if I because I, I kept quiet one with the Whitby game, um, mainly because I wasn't here. But teams like Whitby are why this this league so strong because they are sat comfortably mid table. If we're honest, they've got nothing to play for. They're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to get relegated. But they've come here and had a go. Oh, and they can cause damage to anybody's title. And there are teams that this is why you can't say, right, Farsley are going to Stafford next to that and whenever. That's going to be a Farsley win. It won't be. It'll be a battle. It'll be. That's why, and Lee and Graham and Brian will know this, they can't go into games thinking we'll get the three points there because, yes, there'll be games that are easier, but they know they've got to go with the right attitude. And the leaders in the dressing room, the likes of John Shaw, will, will be focusing that. Uh, sorry, hammering that home with the rest of the squad as well. Mm. So, a, a little bit of a warning for all supporters: don't take anything for granted. No, this absolutely, that's been a trend this season. I agree with you, Mark. That's been a trend this season. You, you're playing teams like Mikalova that are coming here, and you think they're they're going to be a walkover, but yeah, and you, they are not. They you are left very that good. game thinking, why are Mikalova yeah. where they are? Yeah, because um, I mean, as Lee said, we are now. Um, the hunted rather than the hunter. Everybody wants to take our scalp. And yeah. I think going back to that um, you know, horrendous run of four away defeats, I think we over-egged it a little bit because there were so, so many new players coming in and you can't just come into a team like Shields and, and hope it's all going to be sweetness and light. It's not going to work first time round. We had horrendous injuries we did. and we were playing games where... We just didn't get the run of the green. And Graham was said to look, still counts an awful lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it wasn't until the Witten game where we dug deep, everything was wrong, pitch, officials, mm. everything. And yet we won that one. And I think we might look back on that one and say, that was probably the yes. turning point because we haven't looked back. I think the players would, would look at that and st- they, at the end of that match probably thought, we can, we can do this. Yeah. They've yeah. the, 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 the battled through that. And I think, well, Lee... Uh, sorry, Graham had said, like, you know, Witten will be a team that will cause yeah. some some damage to some promotion yeah. hopes. That's There's a few teams that I, I think Witten will. The, the team I've sort of been keeping an eye on is Hyde United, who had a rotten start of the season, mm. and I think they they well, could well 
um, damage some promotion hopes as well. I mean, they're, 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 they're a bit, they're, they're too, a, they're a bit right. sort of away from the playoff fringes yeah. in terms of points, but um, their the form since sort of the sort of late autumn has been excellent. They did quite and well at Basford the other day. Yeah, they, they did. Eight, 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 eight <laughs> at Basford, and, and, and I think um, without <coughs> the, the rotten start they had, they'd be right in the, in the mix as well. Mm. So it, it, yeah, it is just it is a marathon, and. It, it, it's, it, it makes for exciting football, there's no yeah, doubt it about it. Yeah. Just looking at the league table, what it says, there's a lot of clubs in the league that have been in this league for a long time, so they know how to go and win yeah, games yeah. Yes. at certain places. So you look down at the likes of Buxton, Matlock, who are probably on the fringes of the playoffs, but again, just too far mm. away. But they'll they'll do damage, they will, they'll get results that you think, wow, where'd that come from? Why, why yeah. But just looking at it, you know, I'm not going to suggest that promotion is going to happen, it's still a long way to go yet, but... What I like about the Eagle Stick League is that it's a nice little preparation for what comes next. Mm. So you look at the next level above where it is a massive step up in class. But because you've had such a tough season getting into that league, you appreciate yes. kind of what, kind what of you have to do. To um, so I think you'll probably find whoever goes up, whichever two teams go up, will, I'm not going to say do well, but will will take that next step in their stride. Terry, you mentioned something there. I, It's become very apparent that it's taken time for these players to gel mm-hmm. and to learn the Shield mm-hmm. system. I heard something a few weeks ago where there was things like, well, players like Josh Gillies, Gary Brown, Phil Turnbull now know what it takes to be a South Shields yeah. footballer. Yeah. So it's clearly taken them time. Yeah. And it, uh, David Foley, it's taken him time. He hadn't played for a year. He d- didn't look the, the player of old. I felt he was carrying a knock early doors. But now... It just seems to be, and, and yes, we had the knocks to, to John Shaw and Gary Brown yesterday. Hopefully, they'll not be too serious. Darren Loft came off the bench. He's a quality player who's He's been very, very unlucky. Cinderella of the bench, though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, no. Um, and so you've got, you, you lose John Shaw mm. and you lose Gary Brown, and you finish the game with Baxter, Morse, Loft. And Adams is your back four. Still not too bad, is it? Wow. <laughs> you know, and that's where the squad comes in. They're not exactly second string, are they? No. Do you know no. what I mean? Loft's perfect because he yeah. can play that centre-half yeah. or full-back, yeah. so mm. he's perfect and squad player. And he snuffs out danger, that, that's, mm. that's a key mm. thing. I think that the decision to put Brown at full-back and back centre midfield, that sort of it seemed to have unlocked something. You know, and, and Came up on the blind side. It's it did. Just, and it's just, and, and so Gary Brown, is sort of, you can see now he's fully settled in. Yeah. And Bax as a quality player, probably you know, good footballer, so we'll probably be able to play anywhere. Just got, with the strength and depth that we've got, it gives us so many options like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned there, Witten probably could be the... Farsley was the winner-take-all clash. Yeah. And thankfully, we got through that game despite the histrionics and the, and the downright um, professionalism, to put it mildly. Um, I, 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 I haven't seen anything like that in non-league football before, really. Well, we've had teams come with a game plan to part the bus, etc., etc., but that always taken it to another level, I think. They don't need to do it. They're clearly a very, very good side. Yes, they are. The best side will come to Mariners Park. Not a lot to choose between the two sides. Why do that? They've gone to Scarborough and done the business over Scarborough. Mm. You don't need to do that if you're good enough to... Why? Does that happen in the league above, more? <sighs> yeah, yeah. I think what it is, the, the stakes were so high in that game that they were willing to do anything to get something. And I think a point here... Would have been seen as a win for them. Yeah. Um, certainly, by themselves. It would have made them favourites for promotion. Yeah, and and I think it was them possibly trying to unsettle uh, South Shields, trying to put the players off the game, trying to get the yeah uh, the crowd wound up, and you know. It, but 
it well and truly backfired oh, because didn't. the extra five minutes that they created mm. yeah. by their theatrics is where we scored. One thing I would say is, um, personally, I thought the turning point it was that minute uh, when was it Foley hit the post. Gillies hit Gillies the post. Hit, yeah. Gillies hit the post. Then they went down the other end, and Liam Connells made that outstanding save mm, yeah. uh, from Nathan Cartman. Oh, yeah. That that minute, I think, just swung the game because that was really, if we're honest, South Shield's first chance to get a goal in that game, real mm. chance. But Connell's save, I think, they they maybe just lost a bit of heart because I've got to be honest, I know I was sat in the press box, but I thought it was in. Mm. I just thought it was an outstanding save, and yeah. I thought that that kind of yeah. gave a foundation mm. for one final push, mm. which culminated in in the goal. But you are right, sorry, what you said there about. Um, the extra time, if the, there wasn't histrionics, the injuries, there wouldn't have been as much added on, no. and that goal probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, so it has backfired, but I think you, it's something social will have to get used to because I think um, they're getting better at it. And I think well if actually. you go back two or three months, and the the, the way that the, the the sort of the attitude and the sort of atmosphere around the, the team at that point, I think they wouldn't have coped well with with that. I think there would have been reactions. Mm. I think there may well, you know, have been cards or whatever, or just frustrations. Yeah. And they would have lost the plot a bit, Shields. But since Witten, I think you know they've they've, they've come to to realise what what's needed, mm. and uh, they've they've just coped with it well. You said before there's a serenity. There is a serenity around the club. I think they just know everyone knows their job now. I think there's a settled side, a settled squad, and just they just know what's needed. You know, I think that's one thing that Lee particularly was pleased about that aspect of the game that they've got now where they don't react they just carry on doing the job that needs to be done and you know I was very pleased to see that they didn't react against the you know the fast mm. players or at the officials mm. um, which takes us into a little sub subject about officials um, we were at Baseford with the week before and once again, the officials were questionable. Lee Mason was hooked before he was sent off. Mm. Lee Mason had, hadn't been looked after by the officials that day. He, he lost the plot. And Gav wasn't even ready to come on. And they, they just hooked him. I mean, literally, had he been on the pitch another 60 seconds, he would have been sent off. Mm. And that's because there was a build-up of wrong decisions all the way through. Did he get booked for a, oh, a nothing, nothing challenge? And it was where, if you look at the Hyde game away when Finnes got sent off, that was a, an accumulation of decisions that had gone against him. He hadn't been looked after. I'm not wanting special treatment for players, but they'd been on the wrong end of decisions all game. Yeah. And Mesa was clearly very, very upset and was tripping lads up. He was going to get sent off. Um, but it was a build-up of poor decisions, which thankfully didn't cost us because... We'd already kind of done the business against against Baseford in yeah. a game in which they let us play. It was bizarre. They were they totally demoralised, weren't they? Yeah. They beat they'd shed it, they'd shipped eight goals the week before. Yeah. We'd expect them to be on the front foot, and they literally just stood back first yeah. half hour and let us play. Sean, I've never seen Sean and Moss have as much time on the ball all season. Did you hear the uh, half-time talk? Yeah, oh, yes, Through the wall of the gentlemen's toilets? Yeah. Yes. To get to the toilets, you go through a classroom, and there's a stud wall dividing the classroom and the home dressing room. And Basehood's manager, we went to town. We went at it for at least five minutes. <laughs> we, we, we delayed our um, ablutions. To, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. Oh, how, we, was... how we still had any, any vocal cords left? Uh, he was angry. <laughs> And it's, I think he had a right to be angry as well oh. because they they give us two goals <laughs> basically on a plate in the first 
25 minutes. Yeah. I mean, they, we commented on how, how nice their keeper was. He came over and went, how are you doing, lads? All the best. Have a great game. And then he continued that niceness to give the ball to Baxter <laughs> after two minutes and Foley had put it in. Yeah. This is the nicest keeper in the league. <laughs> this, didn't we score the first few seconds? First minute? First, yeah, first yeah, yeah, yeah. Minutes. We were right behind that goal yeah. that gifted us the goal. But the Baseford manager, former teammate of, of, of Graham. Oh, really? Um, yeah, oh, yeah. at Villa? At Villa. Yeah. And he heard nothing like it. Oh. It was unbelievable. It was He was screaming. It was, the pitch of his... I don't know how, he, I don't know how the players came out and, and, and put a shift in like they did because they did the second half. They had a spell of 15 minutes where yeah, they, they put did. us under the glass and that's where mm-hmm. having Gary Brown at right back really helped us because we had more Shaw and Brown yeah. able to cope with the high balls that were coming in from all angles and we, we dealt with those very, very well. But we should have already have been 4-5 up again because of bad decisions. Mm. A goal chalked off that wasn't a foul. The one-on-one wasn't a foul. Whoever it was got booked for the challenge. But ultimately, it was a clean sheet away from home. Oh, it was nice. We managed to get three clean sheets. Witten, Basefed, Farsley, which did our goal difference the world of good. Something else that I couldn't believe, they drenched the pitch at Basefed both before the game and half-time. A 3-4G pitch, and it was a good one. And the ball fizzed around beautifully. It was perfect. They played in our hands. Couldn't have asked for more. Yeah. Couldn't have asked for more. So, we've kind of gone from being the the chasers to being chased we now have a different scenario but in that spell since we last got together our average home gate has been 1695 which is what the the club budget for yeah and it's what they were hoping for um i dare say it's the excitement of the way the league's panned out that that's helped because yeah. we, we didn't have the big cut run sadly but i think there's there's something on each game like we yeah. said but you know and i think and the football is still of a high standard. Yeah, people will come. And I, I, I don't think we can talk about this without um, mentioning the initiatives that the club have mm. put in the place to get bums on. Well, not bums on seats, obviously. Yeah, yeah. People through the turnstiles, the schools initiative. Mm. I mean, the the parent or guardian or carer or whatever gets a ticket as well. Mm. They're the ones who spend the money in the shop. That's the source of profit. So it's a, there are lost leaders all over the place. The uh, beverages for the uh, <laughs> hot beverages, Terry. <laughs> Fully endorsed that one, obviously. Oh, you missed yours I yesterday. Had yours yesterday. yesterday. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're they're buzzing all the time. Tremendous marketing. So you went club. to Dun Street Primary, didn't you? I did. Yes. Yeah. There was um, Steve Cam, obviously. Head yes. Of the foundation. There was Urson Mwanda, Carl Finnegan, and Blair, and they all spoke very eloquently about. Uh, Against some, you know, pretty... I was quite impressed with the, the quality of the questions, to be honest with you. And they obviously left a good impression because I think they left 30 or 40 pairs of tickets, you know, mm. child and, and parent, and 20, the 20 pairs were used. That's very good. So that bumped the gate by 40. Yeah. And these are people who will spend money. And, I mean, I, I don't want to sound mercenary, but that's what a club mm. needs to be thinking about. And there's been one or two quotes on social media. I'm a season ticket holder. I've had nothing. Oh, you know, yeah. what am I going to get out of it? Well, that's an irrelevance. Really. It, it I is. thought that was a great reply from Dan, though. Really. Yeah, good. it was an excellent reply yeah. from Dan. It, ultimately, I, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm not bothered. I still, <coughs> I still get, still discounted. Yeah. I get a discounted game every game. Yeah. I'm well entertained. My team's doing well. I have a few beers. That's what I want. I'm not. If, if ultimately we want the club to do well, if those twenty. Kids come in and stay, 
mm. is 40 extra per gate. Yeah, and, and the potentially in particular, I think there's Dunn Street and Moncton Juniors that week. Yeah, they saw the game of the season. So of course they did, in my opinion. Yeah, and they're going to come back. And they were back yeah. yesterday. You know, another yeah. another great crowd yesterday. Notwithstanding the fact that Google had said that the match was postponed, oh. so clearly there would have been one or two who may not have come. Yeah. So they're the same type of people that drive into the sea when they're sat nav tells them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I think looking at the the wider picture, Jeff Thompson isn't going to fund this march to the football league on his own. No, no. Um, it, that's done. You know, we've seen clubs do that. We've seen the Russian diamonds going back quite mm. a while. Yeah. Um, where there is a, a, a breaking point where eventually the funding stops. So mm. Jeff and everyone who's working hard behind the scenes at the club are putting this structure in place where uh, the club is now moving towards being sustainable long term. That means getting the community involved, it means getting the younger supporters in because I think what I found in my time working on league is that they just see football, kids just see football. Mm-hmm. As far as they're concerned, coming here to Mariners Park, they'll see your John Shaws, your Dylan Morses, your Carl Finnegan's they're pretty much Premier League players to them. That, that's the way kids see it. Mm-hmm. They see the big crowd. So that leaves an impression and they'll want to come back. Now, if they come back for the next 30, 40 years, how much money are they going to put in the club over mm-hmm. that time? Actually, it's a yeah. sustainable model. And the club have been... Just sitting a snowball room. Exactly. Them, and they've been very clever. So what is now 16, 1700, further down the line, could become 2,500, 3,000 yeah. on mm-hmm. a regular basis. So yeah. it, it's sustainability. I said this. Mm-hmm. I know it was... Bly Spawns put that statement out on Friday night and the reaction to that was they're in trouble, they're in trouble. No, they're not. No, they're not. They just want to go forward in a sustainable way and they can only Absolutely. do that with the community. Yeah. South Shields are probably three or four steps ahead of where they are now. Yeah. And and that's credit to the likes of Dan Prince, who for me is probably the, the, the best press officer in the region in terms of what he's doing and how hard he's working. It's down to the, the model that Jeff Thompson's putting in place and the support that it's got right the way from the top end of the club to everyone who's coming through the gates. I, was speaking I would to agree you. with that because Dan does listen to these podcasts. He does. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you take that bit out? Then? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was talking to the Whitby chairman yesterday. Ooh. Just in the in the in the marquee, we were just having a bit chat. And uh, Whitby are currently uh, idea sharing with Shields. Uh, really? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they've, they've been up here on a few occasions and sharing ideas with Jeff, with Keith Finnegan, and uh, John Hardy, for instance, was taking them around the ground yesterday. Just and the, so that they are sharing, you know, and it's good to see because they've only been in at the helm at Whitby for three or four yeah. months. They obviously want to do something. Well, it may because I spoke to Jeff Thompson actually at the Whitby game, mm. the away game. And uh, so maybe they've had a bit of a conflab. Yeah. But it's, it's nice almost to see the club seen as role models in that respect. Yeah, very much so. It can't be bad for the game. Of course it can't. Because there's some great ideas buzzing around here. Consistently, you know, the top level, you know, Premier League, Championship, whatever, f- supporters are becoming disillusioned. And if they want a football fix, just go to your local club. Like, talking about the school initiative, Simon, you've been quite keen over the last few months to see maybe a development. Well, I think, um, first of all, it's a brilliant initiative, um, no doubt about that. I, th- I wonder if, you know, the, the, the Steve Carmen three players going in, I just wonder if there's, there's, there's room for any members of the, the ladies' squads to, to, to go into the schools, just for the girls who are sitting in there, just to say, you know, as someone for them to look, look up to. Because, of course, we want girls to come and watch the, the, the senior, the men's team. But, we, you know, as a club... As a community club, there were going to be girls' sides and ladies' yeah. sides, and I wonder if. Um... To be fair, Steve Cam did cover that right. when he was talking to the kids, and I'm not sure whether it was because the female teacher brought it up or whether he he mentioned it. I can't remember now, 
But I think you're right, that is an important aspect of the game these days. It's a think, growing you know, aspect. The, the teams, growing. Cer- certainly the, the, the first team and the ladies, you know, the, 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 a good side in their league, are probably going to fall short of winning the, 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 the championship this season. But undoubtedly, a decent side with scope for uh, development. And I just, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see um, mm. a, 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 a whole community club, mm. you know, a full, wholly rounded yeah. offering. You know, yeah. and of course they do the girls' sessions anyway uh, here on on Friday nights, I believe. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that if, if if there's a possibility for that. And that is uh, again, without being mercenary, that is also helping the self-sufficiency, sustainability thing as well, isn't it? It's, it's getting it, it is. more money through the turnstiles. And I suppose the only, one of the only future. factors might be work commitments. Obviously, Urson, yes. Blair, you know, they are kind of full time with the club. Yes. Um, if the ladies may have college work, who, who knows? But it's something. Hopefully, that might be taken on board. We're talking about the the foundation, we've got the academy continually doing the business yeah. um, into the quarterfinals of the national league, the national alliance cup, drawn at home to Western Supermare. Yeah. Um, but the academy lads, it's just starting to bear fruit. The Fenton and Picton blueprint, which is throughout the club, is now <coughs> reaping the benefits because the academy lads are being taught in a similar way, and they're coming into the senior side in the Durham Challenge Cup games and dovetailing nicely, fitting in nicely, mm-hmm. Ollie Scott, man of the match against Sunderland RCA. Yeah, um, and, that, and given that Briggs got a hat-trick, yeah. and yeah, Ollie Scott got man of the match. Yeah. I, mean, that's, I wonder how long it'll be before one of these lads becomes a first-team regular. I don't think it'll be too long. I think it, this is the second season, and a lot of them were quite young when they first came in anyhow. Yeah. And Ryan Giggs was winning Premier Leagues at 17, you know, he was a special case. But there are coming to an age when he was 18, 19, where you'd like to think, you know, if they've got the talent and ability, they will, they'll mm. get their opportunity. And I think um, towards the end of the season, even if, if, you know, injuries, suspensions, you know, take hold, there may well come an opportunity. But I would say next season, potentially. I think they're going to have to be something special to get in, into the team on a regular basis, considering... <laughs> Some of the players we've got and True. probably will get. If we but get I think one thing I've always, in the back of my mind, has always been that the Shield squad is, is inside is an excellent one, but it isn't the youngest in the league. Yeah. And there, there are some big names who will, will probably fall by the wayside in mm, terms of, yeah. if not through age, but potentially if the club goes full time. I think the opportunities will come. By which point those academy lads will have probably done three years with Liam Graham and mm. you know they'll, they'll, they'll develop physically. Um, as well as um, on, on the pitch as well, so um, opportunities will come, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope so. I think, uh, sorry, one, sorry, one thing you've got to do here is pay tribute to Graham and Lee because mm. it takes a lot of, I'd say, it, a lot of balls to put in younger players into a game like Sunderland RCA, who were a very, very good Northern League Division One yeah. side. Mm. It takes a lot of uh, trust to, to know that you can put this, these young lads in you know, your Callum guys and people like that, and know they're going to put on a performance against a side that last season finished in the top four mm. of the Northern League. So your point is right about they're going to have to be something special. Yeah. But that's a good thing because that means you're not just putting kids in for the sake of it. You're putting them in because they're good enough. Yes. Yeah. That. And again, looking at the long-term sustainability of the club, over the next two years, they're probably going to have to start paying for players because your pool of uh, potential signings become smaller and smaller and smaller or you have to widen your, your scouting mm. approach, you know, approach and, and where you're bringing players in. Players will have to come from the North West, South Yorkshire, Lincolnshire. Mm-hmm. But why do that if you've got this lad's bit special, the 18-year-old yeah. brought through? Mm, yeah. So 
it all works as part of the club's model and I think Lee and Graham uh, know these lads inside out they know exactly what they're about they know exactly what they're capable of uh, and they deserve credit for putting them in they do and I mean that that, that that is why it's so welcome to see Brian Smith coming in because the workload that Lee and Graham have had in the last year since mm. uh, Martin Scott left it's been humongous mm. and but the benefits are being seen now because these academy guys who are being filtered into Durham uh, D DCC games now know how the first team play and they're playing with their fellows as well so it's a lovely dovetail and yes. it was great yeah. to watch it. Uh, Callum Guy against Workington he got a chance didn't he, he had a little mm. cameo he, he looked very good very he good. set up Gillies' goal I think yeah. it was very good it, yeah. that that he, when the when the the lads take their chance like that in a first team game against an opposition like that, then yeah, it, that that's very promising. Because yeah. the, the older first team players have got a big role to play as well, because yeah. these youngsters will look up at you know, yeah. people like John Shaw, who's been and done it, and they've done it at a much higher level than what he's playing at right now, and they'll have a big role to play to help them through games, because there will be times when they will be used between now and the end of the season, and they'll have to come into difficult environments, they'll have to go to tough places, and it'll be down to <coughs> the, the players to. You mentioned it is quite a, an experienced squad on the whole. Mm. But that will work in their favour because they can look up to how, yes. how does John Shaw say out the last 10 minutes of this game? How does Gary Brown cope with a man running at him in the last minute as mm -hmm. he's going in the box? How do, Little scenarios in games and, and that will add to their experience and add to the, the, the learning culture that there seems to be within the, mm -hmm. the club as a whole, not just uh, not just the first team. Mm, yeah. You talk about how, how difficult it is to get into the side. Daniel Wright, who's struggled to get into the side and struggled when he's been in it has gone on loan for the rest of the season yeah, he's going to be playing Northern League football for the rest of the season which, Whitley Bay. Uh, Whitley at, Bay. at Whitley Bay yeah. and we, it, it's hoped that that will really allow him to kick on in, in his development because he is one of those players who potentially could be a full-timer if we eventually ultimately become full-time mm. Erson Mwanda the, these are the lads who are ideally <coughs> placed have you seen much of him since? Because he's been on loan. Well, I was at Willie Bay yesterday um, when he when he made his debut for for them against oh, uh, yes. against Sunderland. Yeah. Last year. Uh, quick mention as well, just to say, um, uh, well done to Willie Bay and North Shields for paying their respects to Robbie Livermore, who absolutely uh, former yeah. player. I know Graham Graham Fenton, uh, Lee Picton, and Brian all knew him, played yeah. alongside him, worked alongside him. So yeah. uh, thoughts with his his family and absolutely. friends. Dan's an extremely talented player. It, it's not so long he was tipped to do well at Sunderland. Obviously came here, showed some initial promise, but has struggled this season. Went to Newton Aircliffe for a short spell, did well there. And he's gone into a very young side at Whitley, but a very talented side as well. Now, they're not having the greatest season. I mean, they got beat 3-2 yesterday, but it's it's just such a, a young side that he will probably get more responsibility than he, he would get here. Yeah, He'll be seen as uh, someone they can rely on to, to do the right things in, in key situations. And he, he did have a good game yesterday. He got on the ball... He tried to dictate things against, again, a very good Sunderland RCA side, a very strong and physical Sunderland RCA side. But that three months he'll spend there will stand him in good stead to come back here in the summer. Mm. Bit of a fresh start, bit of a, um, a restart for him, mm -hmm. and, and then go again next season. I think you know it is right that he could be one of the players that could become a full-time player along with Urson, who I think there's a lot more to come yeah, from him. definitely. And uh, it's a lovely system, isn't prospect. it? Because it's almost as if we know where they are. Yeah. And uh, they're getting game time. The other side of it is that the Northern League clubs, when they're looking at where they can get players from, it, it, it has traditionally been a league where players follow managers. Mm. But that's kind of been broken a little bit now. So these top clubs are going to be looking, where can we get players from? Is anyone really going to leave a, a Spennymore or a Bly Spartans 
or here to go there on a permanent basis? Probably not. But can they go and say to the Graham, uh, the, could we take Dan Wright on loan? Can we take us? Can we get these youngsters mm. that have come through the academy? Can we get them for a month? Get them some experience? So South Shields could become the go-to club to get yeah, loan yeah, players yeah. in. It's, in the, it's a win-win situation, isn't of course it? Of course, yeah. it's all part of development. You see yeah. the Premier League lads go out on loan. Yeah. You look at Sean Longstaff at Newcastle, for example, he's been out on loan, so oh, yeah. Yeah. gone back, now he's in the first team. and That'll happen here. You know, yeah. They'll pick the right clubs. Um, I don't think Lee and, oh, yeah. Lee and Graham won't just send someone to a club where they know they no, won't no, be developed. No, no. They'll look at the coaching staff, known quantity. they'll look at the managers, yeah. they'll look at how they'll develop at the club and they'll go to where South Shields want them to go to rather than where mm. they're kind of scattergun approach. They'll be, as the rose is here, there'll be a proper planning process and uh, there'll be a method behind the, mm. I wouldn't say madness, because <laughs> <not madness, laughs> there'll be a method behind the yeah, decisions. Can I, sorry, go on, tell me. I was just going to say, that really, the academy, if that's kind of on the table, Will McCamley, yes, who excelled in the games that we watched here, yes, indeed, and indeed did it. Um, did he play against Lincoln? I yeah, I'm sure now. he did. Yeah, but he's gone on trial to Huddersfield Town Academy, the Premiership team. Obviously, how long they will remain a Premier team, Premier team is, is anybody's guess. But I have a feeling that could become quite common as well, which is great news for the player, obviously. And uh, Lee and Graham wished him the best of luck. Yeah, that's good news for the players. Is it particularly good news for the club? I'm not sure. I think what it would do, um, sorry, Joe Min, um, no. is, is it'll enhance the reputation of the academy. Mm. So you're saying that someone going to a Premier League club, if that went through where he moves there, you think all the youngsters in this yeah. area, in the North East as a whole, they're looking, if I go to Newcastle, am I going to go in the first, like, you know, will that long-term first-team place be there? Probably not. If I go to Sunderland, will it? Probably not. So then you start looking elsewhere. South Shields can become the the, the kind of um, again I used that phrase go to place for talented youngsters in this area to know that they're going to get a good education on and off the pitch from the the management team here. And that goal of getting a first team place is a little bit closer and a little bit more realistic. Or I'll have scouts from X, Y, and Z in the Premier League coming here to watch me because the reputation of the academies forge for itself mm. well, the, yeah. we saw in the cup ties the FA Youth Cup ties the number of scouts that were here mm. there were stacks of yeah. them so they're not daft but of course getting into the side is difficult enough particularly if players are in good form and the player who has really kind of stood out among <coughs> everybody else has been my man Mason yeah my man Mason yeah. you know if you, if you go back to the Scarborough game, which we haven't covered, we were awful that first half. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Mason sticking that goal in and then putting the other one in to set up Harmison's wonder goal, mm. I can't see us winning that game without him scoring that goal just before first yeah. first half. And he's got the winner against Witten. I mean, it's been a slow burner, Lee Mason, to be fair. And uh, Lee and Graham were saying that he actually got stick at the Warrington game he earlier did, in the yeah. season, yeah. which I think Dreadful. we lost 3-0 from memory. Yeah. But he's... He was just, he provided a lot of assists as well, but he was so upset that he wasn't actually getting on the score sheet, but of course he's, he's um, redeemed himself in spades. He reminds me in many ways <coughs> of someone like Wayne Rooney, I've said this before, he's a big lad and he needs to play football to keep fit. So when he was injured, he's obviously, he's out of shape and that's mm. not a, a slight on him, that's a fact. Mm. He came back. Clearly not a hundred percent match fit, and it takes time. We've said it before about players like Foley. You know, it takes time. Yeah. But he is clearly a fantastic footballer. Yesterday against Whitby, it's just the little touches, the nuances, the little things that he does. He it's finds space. Finds space. He, he tight. He creates space as well. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, Mark, you will have seen him over many, many years. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lee, Lee's played a level above this. Uh, mm. when, when he was at uh, Bly Spartans in the, uh, what is now in the National League North, he's played in this league for a long time with Whitby and with Spartans. He went back in the Northern League with North Shields and did very well there. And I think that spell back in the Northern League, uh, he found a position because I think before that, you were never sure if he was a striker or a winger. Yep. But then all of a sudden he's become this number 10. Uh, and he did that in North Shields and started scoring goals. I think it was when John McDonald was in charge. I think he got 28, 29 goals that season. Mm. And that's kind of become his role. And I think he's come here, to be honest, he had a couple of knocks. He's had a couple mm. of injuries. But, and I go back to this word trust, Graham and, and, and Lee trust him. They know what they'll get out of a fully fit Lee Mason. Uh, and I think he'll be the player that will probably get the club over the line between now and the end of the season. Yeah. Because he's just a little bit different to everything else in the squad. You know what you're going to get from certain players. But with Lee, he's always capable of doing something out of nothing. And I think that will be the difference in games. Like I said earlier, when you go to a Stafford Rangers, when you've got to dig it out or you need some inspiration. And I think Lee will provide it. Maybe he's, him and his missus should just have more kids, though. <laughs> since he's become a dad, he hasn't stopped scoring, has he? Yeah, because one of the trends of this podcast that we've had is this holy trinity that we always talk about. Finnegan, Cogden and Foley, that was only like six, seven months ago when yes. we were talking about that. I'd never have thought that would have been broken. Yeah. And it's well and truly broken now. You're now talking Mason is, is yeah. first, Gillies. first on the team sheet for me up front. The thing yeah. is that no team ever wins a title without a strong spine. And I think when you look yeah. at the spine here, obviously Connell's been there and done it. You know what he's about. Yeah. You've got Shaw and Morse. You've got you know, Turnbull, who's, for me, probably the best non-league midfielder in the region. Yeah, yeah. And then Finnegan, I think you would probably put in that spine now and say yeah, you would. That, that structure down the middle is as strong as you get in this league and probably as strong as you get in, a, in, a, in the majority of clubs in the level above as well yeah. um, what I would say in the summer and there will be investment need in the summer all fresh faces in the summer because the next level up is such a tough level but Mason for me will be the one that will get the club there uh, between now and the end of the season yep. but of course Getting to the level above is ultimately the goal. I just think the last couple of home games prove beyond doubt the need to get promoted because when you've got proper games, proper results at the end of them, just how much interest this club can generate because there's no real local derbies in this division for us. No. Yesterday was a local derby, if you like. That's but one a thing that promotion would give us you know, as well, isn't it? Promotion yeah. would give us probably four home derbies. And it just gets the juices flowing. And you get a lot more away support. So, like, yeah. FC United of Manchester, they bring a lot. Spennymoor would bring a lot. And you yeah. get that added to the gate. And you get that added to the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It all adds up. It does. That's why I agree, yeah. You, you could arguably see if, if say, Sp- Spenny could go up yet. Because they're, they're having a great season. Form, aren't they? yeah. Unbelievable season. You know, York City aren't too far away. I guess we can class that as a derby. Spennymoor, Spartans, yeah. Darlington. You could see those games being 3,000 here or 3,000 yeah. Stockport Stop, yeah. yeah I mean that, <laughs> the level of course, yeah. is, is scary you look at working down the division Stockport County former football league club yeah. uh, Bradford Park Avenue former football league club admittedly you know decades ago Chester Kidderminster Harriers Boston Darlington Hereford York they're all former football league clubs and, and they will bring two, three, four hundred which you don't get in the Evo Stick and it's a sad the Evo Stick's a good league but the other side of it I would say moving away from the local derby thing is if you get stuck in the Evo stick you really get stuck in there so there are clubs in here yeah. that have spent the last 20-30 years mm. in the Northern Premier League you need to get out of it preferably by the top end yeah. as soon as possible <laughs> yeah. I think that was shown uh, in sharp relief when at the Farsley game we had 2013 mm. which was the best in 
step three or the tier three or whatever, and um, and the second was seven hundred, mm. and it just shows that there's that marked difference, and which with the best one in the world, we're not gonna get any yeah. bigger than that in the Euro stick, are we? The, the noise levels, I would say, going back to Fosley oh. when when Dylan scored, yeah. <laughs> for me, and, and I, I'm not saying this lightly, it was the loudest I've heard a reaction to a goal this season at any mm. game I've been at at any level. Mm. It felt as if there was five times as many people in here mm-hmm. than, than just over 2,000. And But again, going back to the next level, that will be one of the big benefits of Global C. And they'll be able to attract bigger name players and, yeah. and, and or players from clubs that may have been out of reach yeah. um, in this league. Can I ask you a question, yep. Mark? It's a bit of a soft question, if you know what I mean. But it seems to me that what we've got here at South Shields is a phenomenon with the gates, attendances... I mean, notwithstanding Jeff Thompson's intervention, which obviously, let's face it, brought a lot of money and a lot of freedom to buy quality, is there something different at Shields that you don't see other non-league clubs? And obviously you've got more experience with that than we have. I think you've got a bit of a perfect storm where the club, there's this, got no X factor here, but this journey <laughs> started off at a time when uh, Newcastle United and Sunderland were at a low ebb. Mm. So there's a lot of people in the area who needed something to cling to. And South Shields is kind of its own little bubble as well. It's not really affiliated with Newcastle or Sunderland, no. but it's kind of got its own community. It's a big town. It's a former football town, again, yeah. as, as we've said. So Jeff came in at the perfect time. They made the perfect signings with people like Julio, who became, as yeah. we've said, a catalyst. Legend. But it doesn't come without hard work. And, and Lee and Graham no. have, have built on the great work done in the early days by John King mm, uh, the course. great work to, to keep the, the, the club going down at, at PLE this wouldn't be happening now without what went on there you know, with sure. um, with John King but his work's been built upon and it's gone to, I can't even say another level another two levels, another three levels I think there is something a little bit different and, and I think there may be something that, and I'll, I'll bring them up again and I apologise for that but that may be Bly Spartan to kind of learn from here because they haven't really engaged with the local community in the way that people have here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they missed a trick with that. I think Spennymore are starting to do that now, and I think Spennymore are, are trying to head towards that s- sustainability model that we spoke about with uh, recent announcements they've made with the academy. That's in place here. I don't think there's another club, in, and I, I, again, I don't say this lightly, I don't think there's another club in step two or step three of the non-league pyramid that are geared towards long-term development and long-term sustainability like South Shields and I'm not just saying that because I'm on here no. I, I genuinely believe that because but if you don't see it you won't be on here again well I remember <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember you know coming here in the second division of the Northern League and you look around the place and you think yeah I can't see this happening but I came here last week uh, against Forsley genuinely excited by going to what was a big game mm-hmm. in front of a big crowd mm-hmm. And it feels like a big football club now. It does now. You walk through the gate, you look at everything that's on sale, you know, the stalls, you look at the way Dan's got things working off the pitch with the media side, you look at everything in this ground is geared towards moving up towards the next level and then the next level above Mm -hmm. that. Foundations are in place uh, for long-term success, but again, it goes down to getting the community behind the club, which I think slowly but surely that's increasing. And and I think there will be crowds of 2,000-plus on a regular basis here next season, whatever level the club is at. Yeah. If it's in the National League North, I think you could probably see that creeping towards two and a half, three thousand momentum. The yeah. club's got momentum mm. unlike any other club in the yeah. region. And speaking of momentum, the momentum's there on the pitch at the moment. Seven wins from eight, no defeats. But 
February is going to be, we, we said in December, January is going to be the, the month, but we're now coming towards February. Yeah. February is looking towards being the month as well. Yeah. Away to Mickleover, home to Bamba Bridge, away to Grantham, home to Warrington Town on the 16th. That's, a big one, that's another big one, but it's only going to be a big one if we do the business prior to that. Tough games, all of them. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Grantham is it's, it's a horrible place to go. Yeah, track, um, isn't it, on the yeah it's a running track. It's, yeah. a, it's a big ground as well, but the, you're, you're several miles away from the pitch. It's like Ghoul last you know, year. It makes, Grim. It makes Gateshead Stadium look small <laughs> in terms of the gap between players and, uh, and supporters. Um, not to mention it's the birthplace of Margaret Thatcher, but that's true. <laughs> we beat them 5-0, didn't we? Um, yeah. yeah, we did. But I think, I, I think again, going back to the point earlier of no game's easy. Yeah. And yeah. particularly the further Especially you get towards the end of the season, no game becomes easy. Grantham sat what, sixth bottom now. Yeah. But last season they were riding high. They were they were playoff challenges yeah. last season. It won't be an easy place to go. But Warrington Town, by far the best defensive record in the league. They've only conceded eighteen goals in twenty seven games. Wow. Admittedly they haven't scored as many as as, as others, but they got three yesterday. Eighteen goals conceded. They turned us over at their place. Yeah. That's going to be a huge game, and hopefully another yeah. two thousand plus gate. I think it'll be similar to Farsley. It'll yeah, be, it'll be a you know it's one of those where it'll be a narrow win either way. Hopefully, mm-hmm. but it's very much a leading pack in that table now. Is it the top it four? Is. And then you've got a six point drop before you get to Scarborough. I think Scarborough yeah. in danger of just you know, falling out the well, trap door in yeah, terms of the, the playoff yeah. positions. And Namwich have still got played more games, haven't they? Yeah, Hyde might just come in on the blind side. Like I said, Scarborough's earlier, expense might. I think the, 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 the start they had has just probably mm. put paid away. But I you mean, never know. You never know. There's a nine-point gap there, which which Hyde are going to have to go on an unbelievable run of form mm. to yeah. get in there. Yeah. I think, and I'll stick with me pre-season tip. I can see Gainsborough sneaking into the top five. Mm. Yeah. You know, they're only a point behind Scarborough. They've got a game in hand. Yeah. But Gainsborough's strike force is scary. They've got some great players down there, and I think they could be the ones that'll sneak in. If I was going to be pushed for a tip, I think, and I'm, again, I'm not just saying this, but I think South Shields will win it. I think Gainsborough may go through the playoffs, if, mm. I, if I'm honest. These super playoffs. I yes. still don't understand the no. system at all. Actually. Hopefully, we won't need them. Hopefully, we won't need them. <laughs> no, I but, find um, it's best not to try and understand it, just, just to go with them. We'll yeah. devote a whole podcast to it. I think I read somewhere that if you win your divisional playoffs, the FA then step in to decide who plays who in the, oh, in the Super Playoff final. It's a trusted process. It's based on geographical location. So it's not, you know, it's not just win the league. Got, so yeah. It has to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, for this project that's ongoing, we've, we've got to do it, gentlemen. Gentlemen, we've we've reached our 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 time. Oh, can I just say something oh, very quickly? Terry, go on. No, there. I'll edit your bits out to make room. <laughs> no, it's just I don't know. You might have noticed on Twitter that South Shields Museum are having an exhibition later in the year um, on South Shields. I'm sorry, in football in South Tyneside, and they're looking particularly for anybody who's got any memorabilia related to South Shields. They've got lots of paper stuff like tickets and programs, but they're looking at for shirts, all that sort of thing. Anybody who's listening who has. Um, details of how to do that and contact somebody if you've got something that might fit the bill um, it's on our Twitter page which is at Podcast Mariners it is indeed yep. and as you've had an extra few seconds I'm going to see in a few <laughs> extra seconds and a big shout out a big shout out to Eduardo Werner oh, yes. our Brazilian friend Eduardo um, wow South Shields Football Club's Brazil branch mm-hmm. um, has got over a thousand followers on Twitter 
and Amazing. it's incredible, well absolutely done. incredible. And it, I, I, I had a conversation with Jeff Main yesterday. It would be lovely to get the lad over. Yeah, you know, um, podcast. Get him on yeah. a podcast, but ultimately get him to a game at Mariners yeah. Park for a lad in Brazil to single-handedly generate what he has with incredible English, better than ours. It's just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal to have a Brazilian branch of the South. Yeah. We need to get them over. Surreal, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. Surreal. Keep doing the, keep up the Great. good work, Eduardo. Yeah. We know you're listening. We'll get um, them over and play, play on Shields Beach instead of the Maracanã or whatever it is. Oh, uh, yeah. Rio de Janeiro <laughs> beaches. Yeah. Come Coca to, banana. Come to Little Haven. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get uh, Julio working in Argentina and have a South American branch. Yeah, yeah. that would be good. Yeah. But a gentleman, you know, a th- thanks once again. A big thank you, Mark. A pleasure to have you have your company with us your knowledge of of, of the local game is vital and uh, we thank you for that ladies and gents we hope you've enjoyed listening to another mariners podcast we can't get through everything it would be great to do so we don't want to keep you any longer an hour's about enough of your time we really do hope you enjoy it we hope you keep tuning in and see us on on twitter at podcast mariners we, we we pop up now and again but just keep listening and enjoying but ultimately enjoy the ride that we're on with south shields football club so from myself chris from terry simon mark ronnie it's bye-bye for now thank you for listening thanks for listening to this mariners podcast there'll be another one along soon before you can say julio arca <laughs> <laughs>